Lalo, THR. What's going down, everybody? I hope you're doing fantastic on this beautiful Thursday morning. Got a lot to get into, guys. I'm going to jump right into the news today. We got three big news stories that I'm going to delve into right off top, right off the bat. And then I'm also going to get into the AEW Dynamite Winter is Coming that went down last night. Uh... Pretty, pretty solid show. Pretty solid show, I will say. But let's get into the news first and foremost because this is hot off the presses. This broke yesterday and caused a mega storm <laughs> on Twitter. Mandy Rose released by WWE due to graphic content posted to her fan time website. Uh, which I'm, I'm assuming is like a OnlyFans type of deal. This comes just a day removed from her dropping the NXT Women's Championship to Roxanne Perez, formerly known as Roxy, a pupil of Booker T's Reality of Wrestling. After holding the title for 413 days, a, a very strong reign for Mrs. Mandy Rose. Mandy would issue the following statement via her fan time site saying, Hey guys, thank you for all the messages. I'm overwhelmed with all the love and support from you guys. And don't worry, the page is still up. Mandy Rose was with the WWE for seven years. You know, man, uh... This this caught me off guard. Not not just not only because of the fact that Mandy has actually been a very prominent, uh, well she's had I should say a very prominent role there on NXT. Pretty much did a complete 180 on her whole career by going back down to NXT. I mean as you as you heard there, holding the championship for over 400 plus days, 413 days to be exact, as the women's champion. Um, and really elevating other women's talents, other women's wrestlers like Gigi Dolan um, and others, you know, part of the toxic attraction group and everything. I mean, but more so than that, I mean, when I when I when I read this story, I, I couldn't help but feel like there's more to the story than what we're being told. Because, I mean, this just seems way out of the blue. You know, I mean, um, I don't know. Call, call me a conspiracy theorist, a tinfoil hat-wearing conspiracy theorist. And maybe it is the conspiracy theorist in me. But I, I just can't help but to think that there's more to this story. Like, maybe she, she's got some dirt on somebody or she... I don't know, man. Um, maybe she's done worse that... <laughs> And they don't want some certain things to leak out. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just speculating. I'm being a, you know, <laughs> conspiracy theorist, I guess, because this just, it doesn't seem right, quite frankly. You know, uh, you know, WWE has a history of, like, raunchy uh, television. And, you know, back in the day, you had... you had men and women posing for Playboy and Playgirl magazine. Shawn Michaels. Who is the freaking president of NXT right now, basically, or director, I should say, um, creative director of NXT. He was a he was on the cover of Playgirl magazine, <laughs> which is a magazine that was sought after by men, 
mostly, <laughs> more so than women. <laughs> and his ass is the freaking creative director of NXT. You had a you had numerous WWE divas, quote unquote, over the years who posed for Playboy magazine, the likes of Sable. I, I believe Tori Wilson. I think I could I could be wrong about that. I'm pretty. Sure, I think Tori Wilson was on the cover of Playboy. Um, rest in peace, China. She she was on the cover of Playboy. Um, I actually had that <laughs> that magazine when I was a kid. The one with China on it. <laughs> I had a real cool dad, man. He he, <laughs> he hooked it up. He said, "Don't tell mom." <laughs> But, you know, WWE is, I don't understand. I mean, so really the, the reasoning here is that, you know, she, she had some graphic risque photos put on fan time, which is, I guess, like her OnlyFans type of deal. But these photos have subsequently leaked on the internet where youngsters could access them for free, obviously, with the click of a mouse, with the press of their their smartphones and tablets. Um, so because of these leaks, it was deemed necessary to fire Mandy Rose on the spot. And again, again, I, I just feel like either there has to be more to this story, or this is just another demonstration of how petty... And how ridiculous WWE could be, even under the Triple H regime. Because this is, you know, this is no longer Vince McMahon's uh, playhouse here. This is this is the Triple H cruise. And, um, and by the way, Vince McMahon might just be coming back. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that later on. But, you know, Mandy Rose... Uh, like I said, helping to elevate, you know, toxic attraction and everything. I mean, toxic attraction. You want to talk about leaks. <laughs> you want to talk about stuff leaking on the internet. Bro, Gigi Dolan and her fat ass be leaking out her tights every week on NXT. Okay? Uh, and, and the cameraman be all up in Gigi Dolan's ass. Like, just panning in like an AEW cameraman. <laughs> just all up in her ass. As her ass is busting out of them tights. But Mandy Rose has some content posted on her fan time that could be considered risque and she gets fired. Come on, man. You don't need an OnlyFans. You could watch Gigi Dolan's fat ass bust out her tights every week on NXT. <laughs> Toxic attraction come out. Come on, man. I, I You know, this to me is a very... Uh, very unsavory, man. You know what I mean? Mandy Rose was on a run of her life, run of her career. I, I can't help but think this is like a furlough type of deal. I'm sure, you know, they probably told her, hey, we're, we're going to have to let you go and wait for the dust to settle. Because, you know, there, there could be kids accessing your shit now because they leaked on the Internet. So we're going to let you go, but we're going to bring you back, you know, you know, several months from now, we'll bring you back. You know, we just got to wait for the dust to settle or something. I don't know, man. It, it seems like one of those type of deals because uh, I just don't think that this was enough to fire somebody who was having the run of a lifetime right now. You know, 
It just doesn't seem justifiable. Will Mandy Rose? <laughs> why? No, 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 no. Let me let me rephrase the question. Is Tony Khan <laughs> taking a bump right now of some of that soda and pulling out his checkbook and googling Mandy Rose contact info? <laughs> <laughs> trying to trying to lure Mandy Rose to AEW. AEW does not need Mandy Rose, and Mandy Rose does not need AEW. I'm just gonna put it like that, and I'm gonna leave it at that. Let's move on to the next big story of the day: is Ring of Honor is officially going to stream via the Honor Club app. I should say the Honor Club officially is returning as Ring of Honor will be streaming their weekly TV show next year on the Honor Club app. You'll have to fork out 10 bucks a month if you want to watch ROH's weekly TV show. That was the big announcement Tony Khan made at the Media Scrum uh, post-show to the ROH Final Battle pay-per-view that popped off last Saturday. Um, You'll get access to the extensive Ring of Honor library as well as current ROH pay-per-views. That is after a 90-day delay from airtime on Bleacher Reporter Fight where ROH pay-per-views will remain. So, Tony Khan is expecting you to continue to buy Ring of Honor pay-per-views on Bleacher Reporter Fight TV depending on your location. And also, subscribe to the Honor Club app at $10 a month to access Ring of Honor's weekly TV show, as well as their extensive library of matches, shows, and events that span all the way back to 2002. Is it worth it? (laughs) Hell no, it ain't worth it. (laughs) Nobody in their right mind is going to spend $10 a month to watch Ring of Honor on the Honor Club app. I don't care how big of a diehard Ring of Honor fan you are. Ain't nobody going to pay. Bro, even WWE Network, when it first launched, which included all of WWE's extensive library spanning the 1970s and beyond, you know, including pay-per-views that were current and without a 90-day delay, You know, plus pending original content. Even still, a lot of people were on the fence about buying WWE Network. That's actually one of the reasons why, you know, WWE opted to sell the rights to stream WWE Network shows on Peacock for a billion dollar deal. Because their subscriber rate was not meeting expectations. So do you think (laughs) if WWE Network struggled? To get subscribers with the massive content and library that it had, including ongoing pay-per-views without a 90-day delay. Meaning you could watch WrestleMania happens next Sunday, you could watch it next Sunday live on the WWE Network. Now it's on Peacock, but you get my drift. And people were on the fence about subscribing to the network. You think people are going to subscribe to Ring of Honor, Honor Club? Get out of here. Knock it off. Not gonna happen. Um, I do wish the I, <laughs> I do wish the service success. I'm not gonna get it. Now I did get Honor Club. I remember. Um, I think earlier this year actually, I did get Honor Club when it was just on the Ring of Honor website. It wasn't even an app yet. 
that you could download via your smartphone, Android or iOS. It was just on on their website. I had got Honor Club. It was it, that shit cost me like three ninety nine, like four bucks or five bucks, I think four or five dollars. Uh, so I could access all of their content and watch the pay per view. That would have been a much more viable model if they put Honor Club for four ninety nine. At the very, that's best case scenario for Tony Khan. Put Honor Club at four ninety nine and do not have a ninety day delay between pay per views. You know they gotta have pay per view. I mean, listen, man. I know that they're they're trying to say their reasoning is because pay per views for ROH are still doing relatively well. I don't think they're doing well. I think they're doing okay. You, I, I highly doubt ROH pay-per-views are cracking. I mean, AEW pay-per-views are barely cracking 200, 300,000 buys. You know what I mean? If that. I know ROH ain't even cracking 100,000 buys, bro. Well, what's ROH doing? They're doing like 60,000 buys, 70,000. Here, you know what? As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, I, I rarely do this. Here, I'm going to go ahead and search right here. While I'm doing this podcast, I'm going to go ahead and search right now. Ring of Honor pay-per-view buy rates. Because I'm telling you right now, look, if they were to put Honor Club at 5 bucks a month instead and include the pay-per-views, that would be a much bigger incentive for people. to. I, I would probably, maybe, may, I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. I would probably give it a shot at 5 bucks a month if I could see the pay-per-views without a 90-day delay. You know what I mean? Um, so let, let's look at the early estimates <laughs> of uh, oh, this is this is this is a pay per view that happened earlier in the year. Hold on, let me see what we got going on here. This is from July, Death Before Dishonor. Nah, man, come on. Okay, so let's just let's just do this. Look, so Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor, back in April, it did twenty thousand pay per view buys. Okay, twenty thousand, and and let's see the Death Before Dishonor. I don't know why for some reason they're not showing the buy rate for the latest one, only the older ones. So Death Before Dishonor. Did 36,000 bytes. So that's a little bit up from uh, the other one. <laughs> so that's not, listen, man. I mean, you know, 20,000, 30,000, those, I mean, not too shabby for a promotion that really technically doesn't even have a show yet, you know? Oh, not technically. It doesn't. It doesn't even have a show yet, a weekly show. So that's not too, too bad. But I really think they could recoup that same amount if they attract subscribers by including their pay-per-views in the Honor Club subscription at five bucks a pop. You know, I think that would work for them. Honestly, I think that's the best bet. Because that, that's, that's more competitive. 
that gives you an incentive. Like, I would try it out, okay? I would try it out. I'm not saying I would stay a subscriber, <laughs> but I would try it out. At five bucks, what do you got to lose? You know what I mean? I, I would give it a shot. So I look at, at five bucks at five bucks a pop and they're doing they're averaging about between twenty thousand to thirty thousand pay-per-view buys. They need they need about five hundred subscribers, bro, to honor club if it were at five bucks a pop. Wait a minute. My math is terrible, y'all. I meant 5,000. <laughs> they need about 5,000 subscribers. <laughs> so they could get... <laughs> hey, the funny thing is my, my wife, or oh, my, my fiance, I should, my girlfriend, she's a, she's a math teacher. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Why she why why she wants to marry me? I don't know, but yeah, they need about five thousand subscribers, um, which is doable. You know what I mean? I mean WWE Network, they cracked like I think two million subscribers. It took them like five years, oh, like three years or something like that. I don't know, but uh, I I regardless regardless, uh, the Honor Club would be much more competitive at four ninety nine. And including pay-per-views without the delay, you know, that, you know, but in the current model that they have it at, I just don't think it's going to be sustainable. I, I really don't. I really don't. But I wish Tony Khan luck. I wish Honor Club. I wish Ring of Honor the best. I mean, you know, I really think Ring of Honor should be used as a as a developmental platform. You know, a feeder system for AEW like like NXT is for WWE. Um, and, and not just listen, man. You know, I think it would be more interesting like that anyway. If ROH was actually presented as a developmental for AEW, like NXT is for WWE, but even more so, like make it their version of not only a like NXT, but also make it like their performance center kind of deal as well. Like ROH could be legitimately where they train up new booties in the game and develop cats you know um bring back the the ring of honor dojo there cm punk was a trainer at you know what i'm saying um but anyway ring of honor as a developmental territory where we could see future ring of honor stars become breakouts in aew that would be more interesting to me than the way they're trying to portray ring of honor as its own standalone promotion that's gonna rival Impact and MLW and all that stuff. I think, look, people have been talking about Carmelo Hayes, right, on NXT. Those are the breakouts of NXT. Carmelo Hayes, Braun Breaker, Pretty Deadly, right? And I've literally tuned in recently, recently too. Now, I'm talking like just like last week or a couple weeks ago. I tuned in, like I watched the Carmelo Hayes uh, press conference with Booker T as the moderator. Um, Carmelo Hayes and... Uh, Shit, man, I, I forgot. 
<laughs> I forgot, but Carmelo Hayes. I just tuned in to see Carmelo Hayes because I've been hearing a whole bunch of a hoopla, right, about how exciting this guy is, how he's going to be the future of WWE, blah, blah, blah. So I tuned in just to see what this guy is all about. And, yeah, he's, he's charismatic. He's, he's charismatic. He's, he's a, he's a good-looking cat. He's charismatic. But, um, and, and that's just like an example Right, I've tuned into NXT just to see, like, oh, okay, let's see, oh, Braun Breaker. You know, you got some dudes talking about Braun Breaker, like he's gonna be the next Brock Lesnar. Let's see what's up. Let's let's watch NXT to see if this guy, you know, looks like he could be the future of WWE. So that's how Ring of Honor should be presented in that same fashion, where I'm gonna tune into Ring of Honor because I'm like, oh shit, you know, let's see who could get drafted to the. To the main roster on AEW Dynamite, or you know, or Rampage, um, you know, let's see who who's next in line. Like, what kind of uh, talents are gonna hold AEW down in the future? But no, instead, Tony Khan wants to present ROH in the same fashion that it's been presented in it, in all of its history as a standalone indie promotion, um, and I think that's a big mistake. I really do. But, um, I mean, what do I know? It, it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? I wish them the best of luck uh, in what they do. Now, the last piece of news I'm going to talk to you about before I run down a little bit of dynamite. Uh, huge news has surfaced that Vince McMahon intends to return to WWE. Former WWE chairman, CEO, and head of creative Vince McMahon has reportedly told people close to him that he plans to return to WWE at some point. McMahon retired in July amid allegations that he paid millions of dollars to four women over a 16-year period to secure their silence over sexual relationships with McMahon. Uh, he told people he received bad advice, quote-unquote, to step down and believes the allegations against him would have, quote-unquote, blown over had he stayed in power, according to Joe Palazzolo and Ted Mann of the Wall Street Journal. You know, people are talking about Vince McMahon, you know, is going to come back and, and, you know take over again and but honestly guys i've been i've been hinting at it too like in the in the two episodes ago in my angry andrade rant episode which i highly recommend you check out very good episode it's it's done it's done very well but um it's like i said i i, I kind of feel like vince mcmahon never left you know like his influence at least never left wwe I've seen a lot of Vince McMahonism still going down in WWE. I gave some examples in the aforementioned episode two episodes ago. Um, you know, like the Jake Paul match with Roman Reigns. The book, you know what I mean. Um, the storyline with Dominic Mysterio and Rhea Ripley and him calling her mommy and all that stuff. <laughs> he just Dominic just got misted by Asuka. <laughs> he was in the back crying, talking about. It hurts, mommy. Mommy, it hurts. <laughs> Rhea Ripley playing along with it. <laughs> See, that kind of stuff right there, man. It has Vince McMahon's fingerprints all on it. You know, even if Vince McMahon himself isn't there anymore, I feel like his influence has not left entirely. I gotta be honest, guys. I've been watching Raw lately. Like, I watched last Monday's Raw, and it didn't feel any different from a Vince McMahon-produced show. Like, the last three Monday Night Raws have not felt 
anything different from what Vince McMahon would be doing if he were still here. You know what I'm saying? Like, WWE is not all that different. Now, I know, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. You know, uh, I, I know it. T- things take time. The Titanic couldn't even avoid the damn iceberg completely. It takes time to turn that big ship. I get it. But, you know, I don't know, man. You know, again, again, maybe it's the conspiracy theorist in me. But I, I just find it hard to believe that Vince McMahon's influence has entirely been dejected from the realm of world wrestling entertainment. Now, as far as him coming back officially on an official capacity, like him reinstated as CEO and running things again. You know, the more I think about it, I want to sit here and tell you that it would ruin it would be. Like the worst thing WWE could do. You, you have some pundits out there talking about, oh, this would be the worst decision in the history of the company and this and that. <clears throat> I'm not going to say all that um, because, like I said, the show hasn't felt all that different anyway <laughs> since Vince been gone. It hasn't felt. I mean, I know, you know, a lot of a lot of dudes who got released, you know, were brought back, you know, guys like, uh, you know, Joe, uh, Joey, Johnny Wrestling has come back. We've seen the pale dude come back. I forgot his name already. <laughs> the guy that's married to Indy Hartwell. What's his name? Anyway, he's 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 doing his thing right now. We've seen Bray Wyatt come back. I mean, I get it. All these guys. Incidentally, it's been reported that Triple H has been quote unquote underwhelmed by all of these comebacks. That these guys have all kind of underperformed. Uh, so that's something to definitely take a look at, I guess. Are you probably going to release them again or what? <laughs> that would suck. But uh, I, I just don't think WWE would be all that different if Vince McMahon were to come back and reassume control. You know, I, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. If Vince McMahon were to indeed come back on an official capacity and be reinstated as CEO and head booker and all and and basically business as usual, resume everything he was doing, this would be the best thing to ever happen to AEW. (laughs) Let me tell you right now. (laughs) Because AEW was living off of the notion that, you know, WWE was backward and behind the times and out of touch because Vince McMahon was doing it. And, and AEW was, you know, bringing wrestling back to the forefront. They lived off that notion. And and really, it's like ever since Vince McMahon retired, you know, and of course that notion crumbles to the ground. The, the idea that AEW is, is, you know, they're the good guys. And Vince McMahon and WWE, they're the bad guys. AEW uh, has completely fallen off as well. I mean, you know, figuratively and literally, they've fallen off like ever since Vince McMahon uh, retired. I don't know if Tony Khan has been shook or what the deal is, but they know that that notion is not there anymore. So, <laughs> Vince McMahon going back to WWE, that would inject brand new life into AEW all over again if that were to happen. Uh, at the end of the day, I will say Vince McMahon is, uh, he owns the most shares. He owns like 80% of WWE shares. Um, I don't know how that kind of stuff works. I'm not privy to like, you know, business intrigue, right? Political intrigue and business and stuff. Because I know 
even though Vince McMahon does still own the company, essentially, uh, it has a board of directors. It's publicly traded. So the only way Vince McMahon could be reinstated, he has to be reinstated by a vote of a director's board of directors. They have to have a board meeting and they all have to basically vote Vince McMahon back in. Kind of like a damn, you know, like the Senate. You know what I mean? House of Representatives. You know, it's crazy. It's like a real hierarchy in, in business. And um, Vince McMahon can't just go rogue and be like, oh, I'm, I want my company back. Um, I'm, I'm, I own the most shares. I'm coming back in. There's nothing anybody can do about it. I don't. He can't do that. You know what I mean? There's a board of directors. Uh, there's investors to answer to. You know, and since Vince McMahon has been gone, as far as I know, business has been booming for WWE. Like the ratings, the TV ratings have gone up. Um, the stock, the stocks have gone up. The price of the stock has gone up. You know what I mean? Pay-per-views have done all-time records. I mean, you had Royal Rumble sell out. Uh, you know, it, it, it's a record-breaking number that they've done. WrestleMania coming to Los Angeles, it did record-breaking numbers. So everything is is looking up ever since Vince McMahon has has gone out. Uh, so the board of directors and investors and stuff, they're going to look at this and be like, why the fuck would we let this dude come back when business is booming? You know what I mean? When Vince McMahon was here, everything was a little bit down. So I don't see that happening, but I do find it extremely interesting. You know, Vice TV just aired a documentary on Vince McMahon basically like an extension of dark side of the ring which may or may not be dead anymore i don't know what's going on with the dark side of the ring show but nonetheless i have the vince mcmahon documentary recorded in my dvr i have not watched it yet but i do intend to all right so before i sign off let's go ahead and get into some aew dynamite winter is coming that popped off last night the show opened up with the elite Versus the Death Triangles, the World Trios Champions, in match four of their best of seven series. This, this is reminding me of an NBA playoff, y'all. Like, you know what I mean? Like the NBA Finals. Um, this was a good, it was a fun match. You know what I mean? For what it was. I gotta say, the, the crowd in Texas. My goodness. I don't know, were they in Garland, Texas? Or, or where were they at? I don't even know what part of Texas they were at. But Tony Khan seriously needs to put a pay-per-view in Texas, yo. They need to put a pay-per-view. They need to put full gear in Texas or something. Revolution in Texas. Because that crowd was beautiful. And I'm not just talking about like their chanting and their, their cheering <clears throat> being loud. But... <clears throat> You know, throughout the night, the camera would, you know, those camera shots where they go to the crowd so you could see different crowd signs and, and, you know, fan adoration and stuff. Like, just the people there, they looked so heavily invested in the show. Like, you know, I've seen them in other places where the crowd is just sitting there just like, oh, yeah, you know, like, they look like they're at a movie theater. Like, they're not even at a wrestling show. Like, they're at a fucking movie theater. You know what I mean? But this crowd... They looked like so fucking into this show, yo. And every match was over, too. Every match. It didn't matter. You know, this was like an Attitude Era type of crowd. And they looked so interested and so invested and so excited and so happy to be there. 
quite frankly. They looked happy to be there. Um, AEW needs to put a pay-per-view at that same place, man. Really, they deserve it. That was a wonderful crowd last night for Winter is Coming. I, I just gotta say it. But this this best of seven series is exhausting, guys. I gotta be honest. I don't care how good, how fun these matches are. They're exhausting. You know, to see the same guys over and over every week. I, I just can't do it. And, but next week, they're gonna switch it up. And they're gonna do a hardcore, basically. A hardcore, anything goes, trios match. Uh, because Death Triangle won this match last night via shenanigans using the hammer, the bell hammer. Uh, and so Kenny Omega cut a promo in the post-match saying, we're tired of you guys and your shenanigans. Why don't we make that shit legal in the next bout? So match five of the best of seven series uh, will be basically a hardcore six-man tag match, a, a trios match. And, and, I, and I'm not any more excited for it than I was for this one. I, I just can't, you know, to see the same people over and over, guys, is just not my cup of tea. You know what I mean? Um, it's just not my deal. I don't care how good the matches are either. They could all be match of the year candidates. But to see it over and over is just not my deal. So the Death Triangle, they are 3-1 in the best of seven series. So I will say that is kind of interesting. Um, you know, and it, it remains to be seen how it ends. Uh, I'm beginning to predict that Death Triangle is going to win it all simply because we're all expecting everybody and their grandma <laughs> is expecting the elite to overtake Death Triangle in the end. You know what I mean? Um, they have three more matches to do it. But um, uh, so I'm, I'm going to predict Death Triangle are going to win by some kind of shenanigans. Maybe in, you know, Los Angeles. I, I don't know if I'm going to go, man. Because I, I really want to get WrestleMania tickets. Uh, so for me, it's either WrestleMania or AEW Dynamite tickets. So I don't know if I'm going to be there again at the Kia Forum this year. But that's where the final of this match is supposed to be. And um, maybe a certain... <laughs> maybe a certain uh, CM Punk. Angry CM Punk from the media scrum costs the elite the final. <laughs> yeah, that's not gonna happen. But I, yeah, but I will say I, I'm predicting the Death Triangle to win just because it'll be too predictable if the elite win. And, and if the elite do win, well, whatever. Everybody's been predicting that. You know, it's just very predictable. So I'm gonna go with the with the unlikely candidate and have Death Triangle win by some kind of shenanigans. Uh, only time will tell. MJF also cut a backstage promo hyping up his matchup with Ricky Starks that will be the main event. Jeff Jarrett, Sanjay Dutt, and Satnam Singh attack the acclaimed as the acclaimed came out rapping. Um, and then, of course, they were interrupted by Jeff, Jared, and Cole. You know, man, I I'm going to be in the minority here. This is an unpopular opinion. But I, I actually like Jeff, Jared, man. I actually like seeing him and hearing him on my TV screen. I'm sorry. And I know I'm probably the only human being on earth with that sentiment. But I like Jeff, Jared, bro. He's a hustler. He's a real hustler. This dude has been in every single promotion. 
whether you want to make fun of him or not, you know that infamous quote where that guy's like, oh, he broke 10,000 guitars and never drew a dime. Whatever. Jeff Jarrett is a fucking hustler, bro. He's been in every promotion, whether he's liked or not, whether he draws or not. Jeff Jarrett has done every promotion, yo, and has hustled in every single one of them and got somewhere in every single one of them. You know what I mean? There's not a single wrestling company that Jeff Jarrett was a part of where he didn't make some kind of noise in it. It did something crazy in it. You know what I mean? Jeff Jarrett's a real one, bro. I don't care what anybody says. That's a real OG right there. He's a hustler. And I respect the shit out of that. I really do. And I like seeing him on my TV screen. You know, he he said, after he smashes the guitar over Caster, he got a microphone and he said, why don't you scissor that, slap nuts, as they walk out of the arena. That was great. I actually liked that. Um, they're, they're, they're trying to push Satnam Singh. I don't know what they're going to do with Satnam Singh, ultimately. I don't know what the end game is for Satnam Singh, guys. I really don't. I really think they should send Satnam Singh to Ring of Honor. They send him and Sanjay to Ring of Honor. And you know what I mean? And Sanjay could manage Satnam and they can... You know, Jay Lethal as well. Send them all to Ring of Honor, bro. That's where they're from anyway. Send them to Ring of Honor, and Ring of Honor should develop Satnam Singh. You know, he's he's not ready for this. You know, even him just coming out looking pretty, he's not ready for all this. Keep Jay Lethal on, on AEW, but send um, Satnam Singh, Sanjay Dutt, and Jay Lethal to, to Ring of Honor. Jungle Boy defeats Brian Cage in a in a match nobody really cared about. Except of course that crowd. They they cared about everything. They were just happy to be there, man. That was a terrific crowd last night. Winter is coming. AEW Dynamite. I will say that um, Hook has a new alliance with uh, aforementioned Jungle Boy as Jungle Boy was getting jumped by uh, the Gates of Agony or whatever. Brian Cage and his goons and Hook came out. Um, I actually think, wait a minute, was it Gates of Agony or was it, uh, it was The Firm actually, I think. I think it was W. Morrissey. And, um, yeah, because I, I thought it was a ridiculous sight to see W. Morrissey run out the ring because Hook is on his way out. I thought that was the most ridiculous shot of the night um, when I seen that. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I like Hook as much as the next guy. But this little dude is not going to intimidate a big brick house, a big skyscraper like W. Morrissey. Not on any street. Not on any neighborhood. Scripted TV or not. You, you can't have a big hoss like this run out the ring at the side of Hook, bro. You know what I mean? <clears throat> if they wanted to make Hook look strong here, they should have had W. Morrissey stay in the ring. Maybe the other fools run out, but Morrissey stay. Hook gets in the ring and gets in, in Morrissey's face. He can't because Morrissey's too tall. He'd be at like Morrissey's fucking belly button. Be in between his pecs. And Morrissey looks down at him and smiles and then walks out. Like, like as if to say, I'm going to spare you for now, kid. You know, and then walk out the ring. 
And that still would have made Hook look, you know, like whatever. He's brave, you know, to walk up on him like that. A man significantly bigger and stronger than him, you know. But it is what it is. That's how I would have booked it. That, that's how I would have booked it. Chris Jericho cuts a backstage promo telling Daniel Garcia that he needs mentorship uh, and orders him to follow and take orders from Sammy Guevara. So are we really going back to this now where Danny Garcia is, is you know, I swear, Tony Khan don't know what the hell he wants to do, bro. So we're really going back to this storyline of Danny Garcia unsure whether he's even loyal to to the JAS or not and I already know Sammy Guevara is going to end up annoying the shit out of him they're going to probably vie for the tag straps or something and then and then Danny Garcia is going to turn on Guevara or vice versa this is just getting old as shit bro I mean I mean really I'm going to be honest this whole Jericho Appreciation Society faction it has gotten old man it's aged poorly um and I just don't see it having a much longer shelf life now because nothing has really worked with these guys. And I hate to say that because Jericho, for one, is my all-time favorite. And I really love, what's his name, um, Daddy Magic <laughs> with his eyes bulging out like he just shot a crazy bump with Tony, with Tony Khan. That dude, they could, that dude could become something special. I'm going to tell you right, and I'm being completely serious. I'm not even joking. Daddy Magic could become something special if he just fine-tunes his wrestling, his in-ring work. Because he's got the charisma in spades already. He's so hilarious. He, his, on, his on-screen presence is the likes of which you have, to, you have to watch him. You can't look away from this maniac. You have to. He's a walking meme, bro. You have to look at him. He could be on screen with 10 other dudes and you're looking at him. Because of his face, his eyes bulging out of his skull, and his voice and everything. He could be something special. He really can be. If they just fine-tune his in-ring work, man, he could really become something special for AEW. But alas, I have very, very little confidence that Tony Khan could could do something, you know, and, and, and take advantage of this kid's potential, this guy's potential. The House of Black completely destroy the factory. Nothing to see here. I'm just I'm happy to see the House of Black get booked strong. Hopefully we won't be seeing Malachi Black getting into scuffles with D-list celebrities like Rosario Dawson anytime soon. Britt Baker cuts a promo backstage. This is promotion for AEW Rampage going down Friday night as Sky Blue interrupts her interview time to challenge Britt Baker. So we get Britt, Britt Baker is going to smash Sky Blue. She's going to squash Sky Blue on Rampage. Nothing to see. Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho actually gets beat by some jobber named Action Andretti. And the crowd enjoyed every bit of it, man. I mean, what can I say? Listen, I don't know who this Action Andretti kid, I was not very impressed with him, to be honest with you. I was not. 
This was not a situation. I, I know what AEW was trying to do here. They were trying to create a John Cena, Kurt Angle type of situation, right? Back in the day uh, when Kurt Angle did his open challenges, like circa 2002, and John Cena came out. And Kurt Angle said, hey, kid, who are you? And, and, and why do you think you... He, who are you? He said, I'm John Cena. Kurt Angle says, okay, what makes you think you got what it takes to, to be in the same ring with me? And John Cena says, ruthless aggression. And slapped the shit out of to Kurt Angle, right, to kick off their match. Now, even though, even though John Cena lost that match, though, everybody knew. That guy is the future of this company, man. The moment you seen John Cena, he just had that look. You knew right away. This guy was going to be special. So I think AEW <clears throat> was trying to pull off something similar with this action Andretti kid. Because, um, I mean, I guess he looks kind of generic to me. Um, you know, for the time being, I mean, he's, he's, he's like a high flyer, but he's, he's got a good body. Like he's better looking physically speaking. He's better looking than Daniel Garcia and Wheeler Yuta, whom AEW have been trying to push to the moon. Elon Musk, but, uh, push to Mars. But, um, I, I, I just don't, you know, I, I don't see him as a world title contender or nothing like Not. I guess what I'm saying is. This was not a John Cena type of moment for me in this action Andretti kid. This was not a 2002 John Cena. You know, I don't see nothing particularly special in this kid like I saw in John Cena back in 2002. And I think that's what AEW were trying to create with this, something like that. Um, or it could also be like a 1-2-3 kid, right? Pinning, uh, what, Razor Ramon in WWF back in the day. They're trying to create something like that as well. The only difference is that 123 Kid was actually known. This action Andretti Kid was completely unknown. So, only time will tell. I'm going to say, uh, alternatively, there's been speculation that this could be leading to Chris Jericho finally saying farewell to wrestling, man. That's what this could signify. Him getting beat by some nobody, Jabroni, this could signify Chris Jericho's final hoorah with professional wrestling soon you know at a pay-per-view or something like that next year so um you know it's one of those things where i kind of don't want it to happen but at the same time i feel like it's necessary because chris jericho he's getting up there in age he does not need to wrestle anymore he really doesn't i'm one of the few people who actually like jericho as a commentator i know that, that that's another unpopular opinion at this point, I should name this episode Unpopular Opinions, Volume 1. Um, but I, I actually am a big fan of Jericho's commentary. You know, contrary to popular belief, I, I like I think he's a good commentator. Um, he could always do that. But this man is, he's a, he, come on, man. Jericho has so much going on. He's got a band. He's got a cruise. Uh, he, I mean, his podcast has been one of the most successful podcasts in the game for a very long time now. Um, you know, he's an author. He's wrote several best-selling books. You know, I mean, he's just a jack-of-all-trades, yo. Jericho does not need to wrestle any longer. And as much as I love him, I'm a, the, probably the biggest Jericho mark in the world, bro. I, I think it is about that time that he hangs him up. Because I don't want to see him tarnish his legacy either, you know. And I, I, I've been saying that since... 
I, what was it last year, right? When he was uh, feuding with MJF and the, the labors of Jericho and all that. And, and you know, I, I thought MJF should have retired Jericho at that point. But it didn't happen. Here we are. And, uh, you know, he's still doing it. Jericho has had an incredible transformation, though, since that point. Getting into the some of the best shape I've ever seen him in. So, more power to him on whatever he does next. But, hey, more power to this action Andretti kid. I hope that he, uh, you know, I hope that he's able to take advantage of this incredible opportunity to go over a freaking icon, a legend like Jericho. I hope he appreciates this. I hope he fucking kissed Jericho's ass backstage, yo, and thanked him up and down. You know, invited him to a fucking family dinner or something. Like, he really owes Jericho big. You know, this was a humongous job that Jericho did for this kid, man. Big ups to Chris Jericho. And also, hey, hey, big ups to Action Andretti. I, I hope he, uh, I hope he, he takes this to the next level. Only time will tell. Ruby Soho and Ty Mello duke it out in the ring. Ruby Soho goes over in the post-match. Anna Jay attacks Ruby Soho as the uh, Ty Mello duo continues to, to go over and do their thing. And... Um, you know, I'm happy to see Ruby Soho catch a W on TV, man. Ruby Soho is one of those big flops that I, I, I thought she was going to do big things in AEW, man. And, and just like that, you know, she, she's in this TBS Women's Championship tournament, which she loses, gets injured, and then we never see her ass on TV again. <laughs> I'll never forget when my lady and I, we, we watched... Uh, it was all out 2021 i think we watched in theaters and when ruby soho came out in that casino in the women's casino battle royal my lady said i got the chills and i don't even know her <laughs> all right and uh you know they they ended up doing nothing with ruby soho you know <clears throat> So that's that's that sucks, you know, because I wonder if there's other women who maybe didn't really care for pro wrestling, but seen Ruby Soho come out and maybe were like, oh, wow, she's cool. And, you know, uh, I'd like to see her and then they don't see her no more. She loses in the women's tournament and then, you know, we don't see her again. That's AEW. The final match, guys, the main event that capped off this Pretty entertaining show, uh, Winner is Coming, would feature MJF's very first title defense taking on Ricky Starks, the Pebble. <laughs> and uh, it was a good match. It was a good match. MJF's matches are proving to be almost as good as his promos. You know, he's, he does it real old school, man. He slows down. He doesn't do all kind of flippy stuff, no gymnastics, just old school professional wrestling. And Ricky Starks, man, he he followed through with it as well, and and they, uh, you know, they they did what it they they, <laughs> they did what they do. <laughs> it was a good match, and um, MJF of course retains the title. Uh, Brian Danielson would chase MJF out of the ring in the post match, though, as he shakes hands with Ricky Starks. And the show goes off air with that really enthusiastic, terrific crowd 
on their feet chanting. And I guess it's official. I guess we're going to get uh, Brian Danielson MJF program. And uh, that's a good move. You know what I mean? I, I was going to say that I think it's a mistake because I kind of think, if anything, Brian Danielson should be the guy who takes the title off of MJF. But I, I actually changed my mind on that. I think the way Brian Danielson has been booked. He has not been booked as a champion material guy. Even though we know he's championship material. But he has not been booked like he's championship material. So I, I, I at this point, I think Brian Danielson taking, off, taking the title off of MJF would make MJF look supremely weak. And it would damage him at this point. So uh, yeah, MJF should not drop the title to Brian Danielson. But... Them in a program would be good. You know, it's the ultimate good guy versus the ultimate bad guy. That's pro wrestling 101, daddy. That's how it goes. That's how you book a pro wrestling show. And it's going to be interesting to see, you know, obviously the Blackpool Combat Club goons, Claudio Castagnoli and uh, <laughs> Wheeler Yuta, uh, John Moxley and them. They're going to be, you know, probably getting mixing it up with MJF as well. Um, although I don't really want to see Moxley and MJF anymore. But um, Claudio will be an interesting Haas chasing after MJF as well. Uh, so only time will tell what comes next. Uh, AEW, guys, it's going down. Um, you know, it's, it's getting better. It's, it's, you know, the production of the show overall, it seems to have improved a lot. I gotta say, and, and I'm talking specifically about... Like video packages and stuff. Like they're actually showing video packages now. Um, and it's flowing. It has a better flow to it. It has a much better flow of a wrestling show. You know. Um, and it, it's interesting to, to point out that. Uh, just a few days ago. News broke that Tony Khan hired. Uh, uh, some television producer. He was like the president of WWE Global Television. I, I want to say his name is Mike Mansuri. Or Mark Mansiri, either Mark or Mike Mansiri, um, and AEW hired him. And some unknown source within WWE said that was actually AEW's biggest hire in the last year. That was their biggest hire right there. And a lot of people don't know who Mike Mansiri is, but he was president of global television of WWE, uh, and he's a very talented guy. Um, so. I don't know, man. Maybe I'm looking too much into it, but I think we're already seeing his influence because I got to say the production of AEW Dynamite has gotten better. Like, you know, last night's Dynamite, the production was really good. Like the video packages and everything. It was it was uh, like elevated more so than before. And again, I could be wrong. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just, you know, looking into things that aren't there. But that's that's how I feel. I feel like the production got better last night. We, we seen it elevated a little bit. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens in the next weeks, guys. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of The Highlight Reel. Very happy to be here and bring you some content. I know I be taking these long hiatuses and vacays. <laughs> it's not on purpose, guys. I'm just way too busy. Uh, but I'm keeping my show alive. I'm keeping THR alive, daddy. The Highlight Reel, the spiciest podcast in the produce section, circa 2019, was when we started up. 
And we're going to go all the way through to 2029. Damn, in 2029, I'll be like 40 years old, dog. <laughs> Damn. Oh, shit. <clears throat> I'm getting old. I want to wish you guys a happy new year to you and yours and Merry Christmas, happy holidays, happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, whatever the hell you celebrate around this time of year. Um, I don't know if I'll be back with another episode. That's why I'm, you know, wishing y'all happy holidays now. So until we meet again, don't forget to wash your hands and don't forget to wash your ass. Tip your waitresses and please tip your Lyft drivers, and as I always say, live life on cruise control, because sometimes you get farther when you take it slow. Bye.